If you haven't noticed yet, uh, Pastor Brandon is not with us this morning. Him and Nancy and the boys have been moving. Um, so yesterday they were just unloading their, their shipping boxes into their house. And if you've ever moved before, you, you know what a process that is and how exhausting and time-consuming all of that is. So just keep them in your prayers as they're doing that. Uh, Pastor Brandon should be back into the office at around Thursday this week if you do need to get a hold of him. Uh, in the meantime, we are here. If you need to give the office a call, Karen will be in and we'll be in as well. So Brandon commissioned me with, with continuing his, his series on spiritual rhythms. This is, this is week seven now. So I had to figure that out in my brain for a second. This is week seven. Uh, we're getting to the end. So Brandon's been talking about building, our, building spiritual rhythms and letting our, our roots grow deeper and deeper. So to start this morning, I just want to grab Tyler Hills, and he's just gonna he's just gonna give me a hand. Yeah, I'll give Tyler a round of applause. Why not? He's a good guy. <laughs> All right. I'll let Tyler get a second here to to get ready. This morning we're talking about persevering in these rhythms that we've developed. So you can go ahead and get started here, Tyler. So we're talking about about the the spiritual rhythms that we develop in our lives. So Tyler's playing a there we go, there we go. Tyler's playing a nice, a nice solid on-beat rhythm. But the thing is that, is that our lives tend to, get, tend to be a little bit more messy than that. And what the enemy does is as we're going through and trying to keep on rhythm, he starts throwing things at us. And they start to sort of get in the way and throw us off-beat. And you know, at first it's, it's fairly easy to keep going, but then, uh, then a couple more things come. Things get a bit more messy, and you start getting soccer balls piled up on your drum set. Or, or maybe he changes something and takes something away. Maybe he gets to the point where everything you're doing feels and looks completely different than what you first had, but you keep on trying to maintain and fight through that rhythm. Even at that moment, the enemy's going to try to distract you. And stop you from being able to see God working around you. But you're still going to have to keep up that rhythm. And finally, when it gets too much to bear, he dampens your rhythm and throws you off time. <laughs> Can you put your hands together for Tyler for letting me chuck stuff at him and make him wear a beaver head? <laughs> He's a great sport. Thank you, Tyler. <laughs> oh, man. I'm the youth pastor, guys. I gotta have a little fun. <laughs> uh, more, I, Tyler. Do you want to have more stuff thrown at you this morning? <laughs> yeah, keep your mask on. <laughs> so the enemy is going to try to disrupt our spiritual rhythms. These rhythms that we've been developing and and deepening and trying to trying to send our roots deeper. The enemy is going to try to get in the way. He's going to throw anything at us that he can to stop us. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about how we persevere in our spiritual rhythms through, through trials, through, through just changes when, when life gets a little bit messy, when we're unsure of what's going on and we start to, to fall off beat. Let me just say, Brandon's talked a lot about deepening those spiritual rhythms and those roots that you have. And the deeper those roots are, the easier this is. The more you've already plugged in to your spirituality, to your relationship with Christ, the easier it is to persevere. 
One thing I don't want to do this morning, just as a little caveat before we, we dive into this, I don't want to just give you some easy answer like you persevere by, by trusting in God because he's always in control and he has a plan. And that's completely true. It's 100% true, but I think you know that. So if, I, if I'm going to steward this opportunity well this morning, I want to challenge you guys. So, so I have a couple practical challenges for you to per- persevere when, you, when your rhythm starts getting thrown off. I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but life actually isn't easy. It's actually not super simple. You know, stuff happens. Your life changes. Stuff just goes wrong and, and gets messed up. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we've read this, this passage a few times in this series. It says this, There is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. There's a time to keep, and there's a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak. There's a time to love, and a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. See, according to the author of Ecclesiastes, this this nature of the world kind of being in flux and things changing is just how it is. You know, there's a time to tear, but there's also a time to mend. It's going to change. There's a time to mourn, but you're not going to stay in mourning. There's also going to be a time to laugh. There's going to be a time to be born and a time to die. Our lives revolve around these fluctuating changes. But here's the thing. If I know anything about the human condition in general, our first reaction when, when something starts to change is to, to resist, to fight back, you know? Change makes us uncomfortable. It makes us feel not okay, unsure. We're not confident in what's going to happen in the future. So we want to we resist it. We want to resist the stress and the negative emotions that naturally come along with change. This is sort of a, a silly example, but um, it seems like just about every, every, pass, every lead pastor that I've talked to, and I'm probably not even exaggerating here, has told me um, a story similar to this. So they're out uh, in the lobby before church service, maybe just going to grab their notes or going to grab a drink or something before service. And there's someone in the lobby who's just absolutely bent out of shape. Like, they're not okay. They're maybe in tears or just really worked up. And being the kind and caring pastor, he goes over and, and talks to this person and says, you know, what's wrong? What's, what's going on? And they say something like, you know, I just can't, I can't be in church today. I can't, I can't sit in church today. And the pastor's like, why? What, what's up? And they're like, there's a new person who came into the church, and they sat in my spot. <laughs> you know, I know you Amherstburg people are way too holy for that nonsense. <laughs> but the, the sheer number of times I've heard, I've heard that story told uh, from just about, it feels like just about every lead pastor that I know really speaks to how much we, we hate even the smallest changes. Even the smallest thing being different from what we expect or what we're used to can, can throw us into a state of, 
of resisting, of fighting, or just plain not knowing what to do. But here's the thing. For us to be able to maintain our spiritual rhythm during changes, we can't spend all of our time and our effort and our energy on fighting the very concept of change in the first place. That's a battle that you're never going to win. The author of Ecclesiastes said, change is inevitable. All of that's definitely happening. That's how the world works. And here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't win. Because perhaps change is actually a part of your spiritual rhythm. A lot of you know the story of, of the Israelites escaping from Egypt. See, Israel was, was living in the land of Egypt, and it was really good for, for quite a while. But then the Egyptians started to feel threatened because the Israelite nation started growing and, and prospering and the people were getting stronger. And they're like, these, these people could actually defeat us if they, if they decided to attack. So the, the Egyptians made Israel slaves and things weren't great. They were, they were forced to do manual labor. Maybe they built the pyramids. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, the, but Israel became, became slaves to Egypt. But God rose up this man named Moses. And through insurmountable, crazy circumstances, God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery and toward the promised land. God even uses Moses to part an entire sea so his people can walk through. But here's the thing. After Israel has been traveling for a couple days, they realize that this is really not what they're used to. There's no security in, in being out in the wilderness traveling. Even if there's a promise of where you're going, they're still not sure. So they start complaining. They say, why can't we just go back to Egypt? You know, I knew what was happening there. You know, I feel like it was, it was a little better there. I felt confident. I felt, I felt safe where I was, even if it wasn't great. But here's the thing. If, if Israel turned around and went back to Egypt. They would have never experienced the plan that God had for them to lead them into the promised land. They would have never experienced the plan that God had for his entire people to, to establish them as a nation, which eventually leads to Jesus Christ, if they turned around in the desert. Something I'm super sure of and, and so confident in this morning is that God always has a plan. You know, for... For Israel, that was hard because it meant walking through change and stress and just not knowing what's going on. During COVID-19, God has a plan, and it's hard. It means not knowing what's going on. It means things are changing all around us, and even something as simple as shopping isn't what it was before. Persevering means often means facing changes and not turning around and going back to Egypt. It's about walking into the next season, the next plan, the next step that God has for you. I realize not all changes are good, and maybe there are going to be times when you need to fight, when you need to resist change, when you need to, to stand up to it. But you can't set yourself up as as resisting, as fighting against change. Because if you do that, you might find yourself fighting against God's plan and God's will for your life. That's my first point this morning. We need to be willing to walk into the new that God has for us. 
We can't fight seasons of change. We have to let God guide us through them. Second, we need to be willing to, to adapt our habits without sacrificing or stepping out of our spiritual rhythms. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. We all have, all have habits and practices in our lives. And you know, when things change, when trials come, when stuff just gets a little messy, oftentimes those habits are challenged or they're, they're forced to adapt and change with it. I want to read the story from, from Luke. It's found in chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, I, I would assume normally in this situation, when Martha had company over and Mary was there too, they would, they would do the work together, you know, they would host together. That's probably what was always done. That was habit, that was tradition, whatever you want to call it. And Martha gets upset, right, because, because Mary isn't, isn't doing all this the way it's been done. She's, she's doing something different. She's, she's changing, and it's leaving Martha to do all the work. So she's upset, and Martha goes to Jesus and says, hey, my sister's not doing anything. This isn't fair. The way it's supposed to go is that she helps me. That's how we've always done it. But Jesus says, no, 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 Martha, Mary is actually right. Mary actually made the right choice. Mary altered her habits to be closer to Jesus in her current season. Persevering in our spiritual rhythms doesn't mean keeping the exact same habits and things going throughout our entire lives. You know, the more we do something and the older we get, the more set in our ways we get. I've seen some of y'all 60-plus folks trying to use a cell phone. Like, <laughs> but The older we get, the, the more set in our ways we get, and the harder it gets to change and to adapt. And our habits start to blend in with, with our spiritual rhythms. Our habit of doing devotions every morning when we wake, wake up starts to look exactly the same as our spiritual rhythm of spending time with Jesus and delighting in him. But that's not how it should be. Your habits are just your practices that come out of the deeper rhythms in your life. So what we need to do is be willing to change our, our habits. Change the things that we do when, when the season requires it, but without dropping those rhythms that we've already established in our lives. I know I've already mentioned it. COVID-19 has, has messed things up for a lot of us in your school or your workplace or even at home. Probably feels and looks different than it did before. And it's the same for, for the church. You know, we've been doing church just about the same way for well over a thousand years. We've been meeting and then gathering in a building and having a time of song, and then someone shares an insider devotion or, or something out of the scriptures. This is the way we've been doing it for just about 2,000 years. But when, when COVID-19 happened, that, 
that didn't really fit anymore. We couldn't really gather in a building like we always have anymore. We had to break a tradition that was 2,000 years old to, to start streaming church and doing church over the internet. But the mission never changed. The rhythm of ACC to reach Amherstburg, to pray with all of you, to, to encourage the saints, to share the love of Christ with the people of this town, that, that rhythm never changed. It was just achieved in a different way. See, changes and trials can force us to change habits that have been well-established, maybe even 2,000 years established in the church. But if we're going to persevere in these spiritual rhythms that we've worked so hard to develop, we've got to be willing to, to change, to, to adapt, to fit new habits. A really, a really practical illustration of this, when I was... Um, when I was first coming out of high school, I started working full-time pretty quickly. And that's, that's pretty, pretty intimidating for a, a high school student to all of a sudden be working a full-time job. But I found that the, that the habits that I created in my, in my spiritual life and my relationship with God really didn't work the same way. The idea of, of reading my Bible and praying first thing in the morning just didn't kind of flow anymore because I was getting up a lot earlier. I was a lot more tired. I wasn't connecting properly with God when I tried to do that anyway. And I kind of got frustrated with this, right? So I, I felt like I was getting stagnant and, and sort of stuck in, in my faith. So I, I called up my youth pastor, and he was willing to meet me at something ridiculous, like 5 o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous before I had to, I had to go to work. And, you know, I didn't think it was too significant what he, what he told me then. I was kind of like, like, this is all you got? Like, you don't, you don't have, like, some magical insight to that's going to turn my, my situation around and make me feel like I'm a good Christian again. But, but what he said was, was something that, along the lines of when seasons change, when things get different, we're going to change with how we relate and interact and spend time with God. That's a natural part of that ebb and flow and that rhythm in our lives. So I, I took it as his advice, and it actually worked, believe it or not. You know, I started changing. I started reading my Bible at a different time of day. I think it was during lunch. I started connecting with God by listening to podcasts during work and finding different ways with my new schedule, with this new way of life, to, to connect with God, to keep filling and growing in those spiritual rhythms, even though it looked completely different. You know, some seasons are going to be really hard. Some seasons you're not going to naturally seem to fit in time with God. Not, you're not going to naturally fit in the, the growth of those spiritual rhythms. So that's when you basically have two options. You can force yourself to, to keep trying to do what you've been doing that you know isn't working. Or you can adapt. You can be creative. Think of new ways, new times of the day even just to connect with God during those times. You're never too busy. You're never too busy. You just might have to change something. Think out of the box. Be creative to keep those spiritual rhythms going. Don't be like Martha. Don't be so attached to the, the way you've always done it that you miss out on spending meaningful and powerful, life-giving time with Jesus Christ. That's my, that's my second point for you all this morning. And finally, I want, to, I want to address one of the, the primary strategies of our enemy to, to break those spiritual rhythms. 
You know, it's actually not throwing soccer balls and taking drumsticks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a representation for all, okay. <laughs> Someone was a little lost there. <laughs> See, when changes come and stuff gets messy, that's, that's one thing. But when there's hurt, when there's real pain involved, it's so much worse. You know, when your loved one is sick, when someone close to you has, has passed away, when you've lost your job, when, when you feel so depressed, you're not even sure you're going to make it to tomorrow. You know, what's in those, those moments when, when these doubts, these little questions, these little thoughts just start, start creeping into your mind? And you start to ask yourself questions like, how could a good and a loving God let this happen to me? You know, you know, maybe God doesn't love me. You know, maybe God isn't even good. Maybe God doesn't even exist because I don't want to believe that he'd let this happen to me. And the truth is, if you're being completely honest, you've probably been there at some point in your life. This is one of the enemy's main strategies. And he pushes these doubts into our minds when we're at our absolute weakest. When our, when our rhythms are already being challenged, when we feel like we just can't take anymore, that's when the enemy decides to attack because that's when he knows he has the best chance of breaking your rhythms. And if you're like me, when these doubts sort of start to, start to weasel their way in your mind, you like to kind of just push them away because you're a good Christian. You don't, you don't have doubts. You don't, you don't question what you've always heard is true. You start to bury them in the back of your mind or just not think about them. And you say, I'm resisting them. I'm, I'm stronger than doubt. I'm resisting the attack. You know, I saw this, uh, this, this meme as I was preparing uh, for this message. And it, that's basically exactly what we're talking about. You have this, this infection going on. You have these doubts in your mind. And we just want to slap a, a just believe, you know, it's okay, band-aid on that. And just expect it's going to go away. That's not, that's never how it works. In John 14, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. And he, and he says this, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And I can imagine at this point, there's a bit of an awkward silence. Because really, none of Jesus' disciples have any idea what he's saying here. They're probably all, all kind of looking at each other like, I don't know, should we say something? Like, I'm really confused. I don't, I don't get this. And in the awkwardness, as they're all not really sure where to go, Actually, I'd, I'd picture Jesus. He's just kind of sitting there and waiting for someone to do the right thing, like to, to let this go forward. He's kind of sitting there with like a little grin on his face, like, what's you going to say? You getting this? Uh, but then Thomas, who, the, the guy who later becomes known as Doubting Thomas, speaks up. And Thomas says, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, see, Thomas, through all the doubts and concerns and the questions, actually made the decision to speak up. He was this guy who's so famous for making the wrong choices when it comes to his doubts, actually made the right choice here. 
He didn't, he didn't suppress his questions. He didn't push them away. He's like, you know, I, I don't get it. I am confused, Jesus. I have no idea what you're talking about. He wasn't worried about the other disciples judging him for not knowing something, for, for doubting, for having a question. And because of this question that Thomas asked, Jesus actually spoke one of the most powerful and most often quoted lines in all of Scripture. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He spoke up. He spoke out. He asked a question because he didn't want to just sit in his doubt. Because here's the thing. Burying doubt never really works. You know, it always finds some way to resurface, to come back up to the top. During the next trial, during the next time your, your faith is challenged, your doubts just start to, start to come back. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a weed. I don't know if you, there's any, of, any gardeners out there, but you know, you, you kind of pull the top part of the weed, and, and you know, it looks great for a little while, and it, it, seems, it seems just fine, but then you wait a couple days, and it's back. And you know, you don't really deal with it properly. You don't, you don't take it out at, at its roots. And it starts to, to grow and spread even more. You know, the longer you sit on these doubts, the longer you just keep them with you, the more, the more they, tr- they start to damage and destroy your faith. So what do we do? Don't push, don't just push your doubt away. That might seem like the most natural thing to do, but it's, it's not it. You've got to speak up. You know, We've been given this book called the Bible that has a lot of answers to the questions we've been asking. Maybe start by looking there. Maybe you're looking through the Bible and you're like, you know, I'm still really confused. I have no idea what's going on. Find somebody. Talk to one of your pastors. Talk to a spiritual mentor or a parent or someone who, who knows the Lord who you think might have some insight into your question. See, the enemy's going to throw these doubts your way and he wants you to internalize them. He wants you to, to just bury them and keep them. Because that's how he gets in. But see, when you turn the, these doubts around into an opportunity to, to research, to learn, that's when your faith actually be, begins to grow. That's how you become a more mature believer. That's how you deepen the roots of your spiritual rhythms. James 1, 2-4 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. James is saying that when we, when we face these changes, when we face these messy times, when we walk through COVID-19 and have no idea what's going on, we should actually be joyful. It doesn't mean we need to be happy with what's going on. But we can still be joyful in the fact that this is our opportunity to persevere. This is our opportunity to grow closer to Jesus Christ. And we persevere by walking faithfully through those changes, not just fighting them. We persevere by being willing to adapt our habits and our, and our lifestyles to, to maintain those spiritual rhythms. We persevere when we utilize our doubts and our questions to, to take our faith to the next level. When we persevere, when our spiritual rhythms are challenged, our faith becomes greater. And our spiritual rhythm of following Jesus becomes much more secure. So what I want to do in closing today 
I want everyone just to close their eyes and bow your heads right where you are. And I just want you to ask God, how are you growing me in this season? Through whatever I'm facing, through whatever the enemy's throwing at me right now, through the doubts and through the questions, how would you like me to grow? How would you like me to respond? Just take a moment. James chapter 1, verse 12 said, says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, this is, a, this is not an easy life, and it's rough. And the enemy so desperately wants to challenge our spiritual rhythms at any opportunity he gets. But you got to look towards, towards this promise. Blessed is the one who perseveres. Under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Persevere, and you'll receive the crown of life. And that's a promise from God himself. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, God, we thank you for your strength. And Father, we just lean on that this morning for, for anything that we're, that we're going through. Those moments when we feel like our, our relationship with you is being challenged or in flux or, or are getting just a little messed up. God, we, just, we ask for your strength, your wisdom as we navigate and persevere through these seasons. And Father, we thank you for this promise, for the crown of life that's awaiting us after we persevere. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, church. It's been a pleasure to be able to share with you again. It's been quite a while. Um, before I dismiss you, I just have to remind you, we do have ways to give, even though we aren't passing around an offering plate. There is a little bucket back there by Val. And there's envelopes back there if you prefer to give via cash. You can go to our website, acchurch.ca slash give and give that way. I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. About this.